This message was recorded live at Elevate Church in Erie, Pennsylvania. As followers of Christ, we follow a God who was crucified, dead, buried, got up, walked out of the tomb, demonstrating that there's nothing that you and I can't walk out of. He doesn't love me based on my performance. God loves me based on my position. It matters so much that we imitate Christ and we live out those principles. There's nothing that you could do. There's, there's no great sin that you could have ever committed that would be a barrier between you and Jesus. To learn more about Elevate, how you can get connected, or how you can support the work that Elevate is doing in Erie, visit elevatechurch.com. Well, what is going on, 1115? How are you guys doing today? Hey, I'm excited. I hope you're excited. I just got back from Israel yesterday, then preached last night. I'm pumped up. I'm ready to go. Like, I was awake at 3 a.m. this morning because I thought it was like noon, all right? So I'm awake. I hope you guys are awake too. Uh, my name's Colby. If this is your first time checking out Elevate Church, I'm the pastor here, and I just want to say welcome. You picked a great Sunday to check us out. We are in the final installment in a series called Ghost Stories, and we've been covering all things related to the Holy Ghost, and today we're going to wrap it up. But before we kind of dive into all that, uh, I just wanna talk to those of you that have been a part of this church for a little while. Every single year, uh, starting, well, I say every single year, we've only been around for like five years, but starting last year, we started a thing called Until Jesus Runs This Town. And it's a kind of a series on messages that we start in December, and it all kind of culminates in an Until Jesus Runs This Town offering, which is an above and beyond offering. It's an opportunity for us to expand, to reach out, to advance advance the mission here of Elevate Church. Last year, uh, we, we did that, and we kind of put together the mobile dream center that we use to bless people, you know, throughout the summer and, and in months and months, every single month, they've been out doing things. And so it's it's one of those things that doesn't cover just kind of our normal budgeting and operations. That's that's done. That's taken care of. We we budget like like my wife budgets very well, all right? So we don't ever have to worry about that. She's just, she's got that all under control. This is just above and beyond. And so I'm, I'm telling you this now because it's not gonna happen until December 16th and 17th. You're not gonna hear us harp on this. You're not gonna hear us drive this home every single week. I'm gonna tell you now, then we might remind you a little bit here and there. But all I'm asking you to do is prayerfully consider what it is God would have you do, and that's it. The Bible tells us not to give under compulsion, right, just to prayerfully ask him what he'd have you do. So if you just do me a favor and just ask God, God, what would you have me give? And then just just do whatever he tells you to, that would be great, and that's all I gotta say about that. All right, now, in this series, we've covered a ton of ground. In fact, week one, we started talking about ghost, the name ghost, What, what is in that name, spirit or ghost? And that's really not a great translation, right, of what uh, the Bible has to say. In the Old Testament, it's the word ruach, which means blast of breath, it means this wind. In the New Testament, it's pneuma, kind of means the the same thing. And the reality is most of us have been living our lives, running this race, without the breath of God filling our, our lungs. So we started there. Then week two, we unpacked a very spooky term, Pentecost, ooh, and freaked everybody out, right? Because it just means 50, that's all it means, so it's really not that scary. And in fact, it was one of three major holidays that the Jewish people celebrate, first being Passover, then Pentecost, and then the Feast of Tabernacles, which, by the way, mirrors the journey that God wants to take every single person in this room on. 
Passover being the rescue of his, of his chosen people out of Egypt, and God wants to rescue you. He wants to, to save you, and then Pentecost is that empowering. Uh, we saw in the Old Testament, it's the giving of the law to, to his people Israel, where in the New Testament, it's him writing his law on our hearts, right, empowering us to live a, a holy life. It, it changes our attitude from I gotta go to church, I gotta follow Jesus, to I get to. It's this entire change of attitude, then Feast of Tabernacles really is the one that's yet to come. That's the, the second coming, you know, of, of Christ. Then a couple weeks ago, we talked about the spiritual gifts, and that was fun. We talked, we unpacked 1 Corinthians 13, 14, and 15, and I would encourage you to go back and listen to that uh, if, if you weren't here for that. But the conclusion today, I wanna talk about is how do we do all this? Like all this Holy Ghost stuff is, is great, but I don't wanna just give you, um, the, the goal is not revelation, the goal is transformation. Like we wanna be different because of it. So how do we take all this information that we've learned and now walk in that fullness, walk in that, that filling of God's spirit that he calls us to live in? This power that's available to us is not meant to be held on to, but it's meant to be leveraged to, use to, to reach a hurt, a lost, a broken world, to help raise heads and hearts towards God. So that's, that's the goal. It's not just information for us to sink in. But most importantly, what the Holy Spirit does, and I would argue with you all day long, primarily is used to empower us to be witnesses for Jesus. In fact, Jesus tells us that we'll receive power to be his witnesses. That's the primary purpose of the Spirit's power in your life. Someone who is filled with the Spirit will talk a lot about Jesus. So today, we're gonna talk about what does it mean? What does it look like? How am I, if you wanna write this down, this is our title, how do I become fillable? Fillable. Because there are, I think there are certain things that we can do. But I also think there are things that will keep you and me from being fillable, and we'll cover those as well. So the first thing I wanna give you is when it comes to being filled with God's spirit is it's a command, not a suggestion. Write that down. Everybody who loves Jesus, by the way, takes notes in church. So bust out your note card, bust out your phone, bust out your tablet, you know, whatever you take notes on, and go ahead and jot those down. It's a command, not a suggestion. Being filled with the Holy Spirit is something that we are told to do. Look at Ephesians 5.18, says, don't be drunk with wine, because that will jack up your life. That's all I gotta say. Instead imperative instruction, be filled with the Holy Spirit. Be filled. It tells us this is what we, we need to do. This is not an indictment, by the way, against drinking alcohol, because I know some of you are like, listen, I can handle all this Holy Spirit stuff, but if you're gonna tell me I can't drink, I'm not coming back. You're okay. But he does say don't get drunk. And those of you that really don't know where that line is in your life, maybe you shouldn't drink, just saying. But this is a command. He says for us to be filled instead with the Spirit. And something you should know about God is he'll never ask us to do something that we are unable to do. Like, for real, how messed up would that be? If God was to say, Colby, I want you to do this, and then he goes and says, actually, he'll never be able to do that. It's just funny to watch him try, right? He doesn't do that. He'll never ask you to do something without empowering you to do it, and he tells us that we need to be 
filled. Does that sound optional to you? I don't know if you've noticed this, but God doesn't make a lot of suggestions in scripture. It's a command. So the question I have for you today is, have you done it? Have you done it yet? Have you been filled? And the reason I ask you is because I think a lot of times that we believe that this right here being filled is more mysterious than it really is. Now, there is mystery to God. There are things that we will never know. John tells us that the Spirit is, is, blows like the wind. We don't know where it's coming. We don't know where it's going. You know, it's like Cotton Eye Joe. Where'd you come from? Where did you go? Like that, right? <laughs> so there is mystery to God. But I also believe that there is clarity. What do you mean, Colby? Here's what I mean. Things that are revealed to us in Scripture, we can be clear on. We don't have to, to guess on. This is what Jesus tells us in Luke 11, 13. He says this, so if you sinful people know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father give you the Holy Spirit to those who ask? This, this is not confusing. This is, this is clarity right here. He says, hey, just ask and your Father will give it to you. So that being said, the first step to being filled is to want to be filled. So that begs the question, do you want to be filled? Like, before you answer, do you really? Do you really? Because we're talking about being filled with the Holy Spirit. He is holy. He's holy, which means that maybe, you know, you're asking God to fill you with his Holy Spirit, that maybe your life looks differently than it currently does. That maybe as you, as you grow and the fruit develops in your life, that hopefully you do look different than you currently do. So the question is, do you really want that? Do you really want to be filled with the Holy Spirit? And if you do, then I don't think it has to be this great big mystery. Like we ask the Father, he, we receive in faith, and then we go in the power and the strength that he has given us. I think a lot of the confusion comes into play when, when we hear things like, well, if you're filled, then you'll look different. You will act different. You will speak different. You know, you, you will feel differently. No, we ask, we receive in faith, and then we go. Jesus says, go into all the world. I'm giving you my power, you know, to be my witnesses. So go. So it's not that, you know, you have to question whether or not, all right, just say for instance, um, well, God, do you want me to invite so-and-so to church? Like, yeah, you don't even have to ask about it. Just, just go and do it. Well, God, if I, you know, at Starbucks this morning, I was going to invite Penelope to church, but I wasn't feeling it, you know, just now. But I know tomorrow if I see Penelope at Starbucks and she orders a zombie frappuccino, then I know that you're in that and you want me to invite her to church. No, like just go. And as you go, his spirit will equip you. He will lead you into that conversation. He will give you what you need to know. That's why I believe personally that the gifts of the spirit are motion activated. Meaning that as you move in faith, then God moves on your behalf. As you step out in faith and you invite Penelope, you know, from Starbucks, like God's word says that he doesn't want anyone to perish, even zombie frappuccino drinkers, which is totally weird. They're motion activated. So as you go, then God says, then I'll show up. 
Then I'll let you feel it. Then I'll give you that verse. I'll bring that verse to mind that you need. Then I'll give you that word of encouragement that, that, that you need for that person. Their motion activated. We go. We go. It's not a suggestion. It's a command. The second thing you need to know about being filled is it's not one and done. It's not a one-time deal, right? It's not like uh, it's an ongoing relationship. Look again at Ephesians 5.18. It says, instead, be being. You're just like, hold up, Colby. You added that being. I did, all right? So that's, I added that. But that's because in the Greek, that's what it means. In the Greek, they have something called a present imperative, which means this is ongoing. We don't have a word in the English language that means to, to do it over and over again, like what they're meaning here. So it's this be being filled. It's a constant thing. In other words, it's not like you ask God to fill you with his spirit one time and then you're done. It's not like you get a single dose of the ghost and then you're good forever. Okay, that's not what it is. It's to be being filled every single day. I love what... Uh, uh, I heard a preacher say, he said, it's kind of like constantly living under the spout where the glory comes out. That's what it's like. I like that. It's constantly being dripped into. It's constantly being filled. It's constantly living under the spout, under this flow of God's spirit. It's not a one-time thing. And the reason you need to know that is because yesterday's filling is not enough for your life. Today's filling is not enough for your your life. You can't rely on old manna. In the Old Testament, God sent his, his people manna from heaven. But he told them, you can only take enough for today. Just use what you got today. And so some of the people didn't want to go grocery shopping again tomorrow, so they took a double portion. And grocery shopping for them, by the way, was they had to step out of their tent and go like that. That's all they had to do, okay? But he said, don't take, don't take enough for tomorrow. Just take enough for today. Only take what you, what you need, but they took a double portion. They took twice as much. So what happened was God made it get rotten, made it like stink and get wormy and all that kind of stuff. And I think that that's sometimes how it is in our life. And I'm not saying that yesterday's lessons don't benefit you, that you don't learn from them, but you gotta get some new ones too. Meaning that you don't just rely on that old verse that you've been carrying through your life in that particular season of your life and never read God's word again, never dive into it again, never get filled again, never get strengthened again. Like it's asking God every single day, God, I need something today. I need a new filling in this moment. It's not, it's not one and done, it's, it's ongoing. In other words, every day you should top off your tank, don't wait until you're empty. Top it off. Every single day, we have a guy here on staff. His name is Dylan. Dylan is our tech coordinator. He's in the back. Everybody say, hi, Dylan. Hi, Dylan. That's the most interactive many of you have ever been in church. <laughs> but Dylan, Dylan has an issue. Let's just say that, all right? Dylan's got some issues. He's got a lot of issues. I'm gonna tell you one, all right? But Dylan and I were leaving a meeting one time, not together, and I went to the get-go on Upper Peach to get some gas. And he pulls in next to me, all right? And he's got to fill up his tank too. And I'm like, oh, cool, you got to get some gas. I'm like, yeah. And so that's what we were doing, getting gas. You're like, this story is awesome. <laughs> Tell it to me again. Um, but he pulls up next to me and he, and he 
goes to the pump, sticks the nozzle in the car, and he, and he pulls the thing and sets the trigger, that'll, that'll work, trigger, on it. And, and right away, like two seconds later, it goes click. And I'm like, I think, I think it's not working. Because sometimes you go to the gas pump and you're like click, 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 you know, and you're pulling that thing and it's not working. Like Dylan, you gotta try it again. He's like, no, no, it's full. What do you mean it's full? I looked, and I'm not, I'm not even kidding. He filled up his car, like, full with $2.32. He never lets his car go under, like, if the needle's here, he never lets it go to here. I'm not, I'm not joking. He stops at every gas station that he sees. He never lets that thing get empty. And so I make fun of him for that, and I make fun of him for about 57 other things, but I think there's something we can learn from Dylan's obsessive-compulsive gas tank filling. <laughs> and that is not for us to wait. Not for you to wait until you're desperate for a filling. See, like me, I run that thing down to like below E, right? I run it down till it's almost gone, and I think I got some more left. And I think, I think there's something in that for us. I don't think God wants us to be redline Christians. I think we need to adopt this principle in our, in our hearts so, so we don't sit there and say, well, I went to church this week, I'm good. Or I went to my small group, you know, one time last week, and then all we do is try to live in the space between the fillings and never fill up again. But daily, God's saying, we need to top this thing off Daily, don't be redline Christians. Because I don't know about you, but for me, some days can empty my tank more than others. Some people can suck the life, I mean the gas out of me more than others. And the same goes for you, though. As you're running around, driving around, pouring out, pouring out, pouring out, using your gifts, doing everything you can to serve it empties you. Don't be a redline Christian. You should be topping that thing off every single chance you get. If you're like Dylan, every six minutes, top that thing off. <laughs> top it off. How do we do that? By practicing the presence of God in our life. The Bible tells us that we should pray without ceasing. And they take this like literally uh, Orthodox Jews, you know, at the wailing wall and through their, through their education, they will read the Bible, they will pray, and they, they won't stop moving, praying without ceasing. For us, I think it's kind of like text messaging to God, just leaving this open line of communication all day long. I have this app called Voxer. Maybe some of you have it. It's like a walkie-talkie that you can use to talk back and forth to people. It's kind of like leaving this Voxer open behind the scenes of your soul to where you're constantly in communication with God, just sending out little messages back and forth. You practice the presence of God. I love what Charles Spurgeon says. He says, let your hearts be constantly communing with Jesus while your hands are working in the world. It's not a one-time thing. It's not one and done. It's a daily filling. It's also being filled is not a suggestion from God, it's a command. And the third thing I want you to know is only you can prevent yourself from being filled. That it's more up to you than, than you, you might think. Like, you can be baptized afresh with God's spirit every single 
day, you're in control. Even though the Spirit's power has been deposited inside of you, the Bible tells us that the Spirit of the prophet is subject to the prophet. So you can be as filled as you like. You can be as on fire for God as you like. A.W. Tozer says that every man is as full of the Spirit as he wants to be. When I read that, that stopped me in my tracks, as I want to be. And then he goes on to say, make your heart this vacuum so the Spirit can rush in to fill it. And I tell you that because sometimes I think we believe it's not up to me. That this is out of my control, that God, all right, just whatever you got for me is what you got for me, and I'm good. No, you can have as much as you want. So if you want to be filled, you have to make yourself fillable, fillable. So how do I make myself fillable? The first thing is you got to be crack resistant. I'm not talking about crack cocaine. You better be crack resistant in that case. I'm talking about you. I'm talking about your container. There are some things that will cause the spirit to leak. You gotta be crack resistant. That's why Ephesians 4.30 tells us that don't bring sorrow. Uh, your version might say don't grieve the Holy Spirit, but don't bring sorrow to God's Holy Spirit by the way you live. Remember, he has identified you as his own, guaranteeing that you will be saved on the day of redemption. I highlight sorrow just to remind us again that the Spirit's not an it. He's a he. He has feelings, and because he has feelings, he can be made sad. He's a person. So how do we make God's Spirit sad? Uh, One of the ways is by sin. Sin in our life cracks our container and allows the the Spirit to leak. This is not a salvation thing, by the way. We We all sin, but it is a repentance thing. And when we do crack, it is coming back to God, saying, God, you know, I, I messed up. You know, forgive me. It's having a contrite heart and spirit. But don't forget, he's holy, and sin separates us from God's holiness. So sin will, will crack our container. You know what else? Pride. Pride. Like there's something about the spirit he really doesn't like pride. The Bible tells us that God will oppose the proud, right, but what will give grace to the humble. And pride in our life, that's being full of self, like being filled with ourself is a, is a blockade, is a barrier to being filled with the Spirit. And so we first have to be emptied of ourself so that we can be filled full of the Spirit. Another thing is division. Division. The Spirit hates divisiveness. That's why we talked about in 1 Corinthians 13, 14, that all those gifts in the body, you know, that, that nobody has all of them. We all have different gifts. Underlying all that was unity. It was about coming together. Like when the body comes together, the Spirit can flow. When the body is divided, it dries up. And so the Spirit really wants us to be united together, right? United we stand, divided we, we fall. But as we come together, united, you know, under a common singular mission of seeing people far from God reach their full potential in Jesus, then I don't believe anything can stop us from that. But fighting, factions, those cause fractures in our container. And the spirit will will, will leak. And so the the second thing is that we got to sweat the small stuff become crack resistant, and then sweat 
the small stuff. I've often said, and I still say from time to time, hey, don't sweat the small stuff. Don't sweat the small stuff. And I think that's true a lot of times in our lives, but how many of you know sometimes small things turn into big things? And a lot of times we think, well, if we just ignore the small things, then, you know, it won't turn into a big thing. But that doesn't work. It doesn't work in your marriage. It doesn't work in different sin patterns in your life. It doesn't work in temptations. You think, well, it's just a small temptation in my life. I'm gonna ignore it. No, like temptations that go unaddressed grow teeth and they will bite you. So you gotta sweat the small things, sweat the small things. The Bible tells us that a little leaven can leaven the entire loaf. It also tells us that we need to catch these little foxes, these little issues that run through the vineyard because they wanna steal the grapes. Many of us know we've seen uh, destruction happen over a small thing. The, the, the shuttle challenger, right? It was a small issue that caused massive devastation and destruction. So we have to sweat these small things. So maybe it's just fine-tuning your life. Maybe it's being receptive to the Spirit's prompting and working on little things. I'm not talking about big sin issues that obviously need addressing and need eliminating, but it's, it's being sensitive, it's fine-tuning, getting better and better and better. We often say tiny tweaks lead to giant peaks, and that's so true. It's these little things that cause cracks that allows the spirit to, to leak out and keep us from being fillable. The third thing keeps us from being fillable is a capacity issue. Write that down, capacity issue. It's kind of like this glove. Like this glove on its own can't do anything. I can't pick up anything with it. Doesn't work. Can't tie my shoes with it. I can't do anything with it. But God says he wants to fill us. And so when I am filled then I can do stuff. It's kind of like this. It's kind of like being, being filled. Now I can pick stuff up. Now I can bless someone. Now I can help someone. Now I can hold stuff and I can carry some stuff. But a lot of times it's a capacity issue and we're asking God, God, I want you to, to fill me, all right? Your word says to be filled with the spirit. It's a command. It's not a suggestion. So I'm gonna be filled. God, God, fill me. And we're trying to get our God to fill us. Why aren't you filling me? What's wrong? You know, why can't you fill me? And we're like, oh, you, you must be, you know, filling someone else, you know, that's a missionary because they're, you know, they have value and, you know, you're gonna fill those guys. You're gonna fill pastors or preachers. You're gonna fill, fill them. You're just not gonna fill me. He's like, no, it's, it's because I got no room. It's a capacity issue. There's something in there. It happens to be a Lego this time. <laughs> See, I got four little boys and so I find stuff like this all over, all right, in my shoes. I got Hot Wheels in my shoes. There's candy in here, there's, I think there's a Reese's cup in here. But many times we're asking God to fill us, and he's like, I can't. Why? Because you're already filled. And before I can fill you, you need to empty yourself out. It's this capacity issue. And so we have to create some space. Like A.W. Tozer says, create this vacuum in our hearts, right, so the spirit can rush in. I love that. And so I think that's how we need to end this series is by creating some space and allowing God's spirit to rush in. In Israel, man, I had probably one of the greatest
moments of my life. Being able to baptize my, my 12-year-old son in the Jordan River is so awesome. I don't know why I'm crying. I think I'm tired. All right, I think I'm tired. That's cool. It was cool. It's dusty in here. It's dusty. No, it was really cool. I, I couldn't imagine um, what it would be like at his age. I want to show you uh, the video. And I got to baptize about seven or eight of us, I think, that went. And uh, just this moment of being there in the Jordan River where Jesus was baptized around that area. We're not exactly sure where it was. But having this unbelievable moment looking out, telling Wade, you're never going to forget this in your life. And he placed his hope in Jesus a long, long time ago. I told him one day I'd love to take you here so you can go public with your faith. And then I whispered something into his ear. You want to know what I said? I'm not going to tell you. That was for him, all right? So sorry. But then just looking around and imagining, imagining what it must have been like for, for John the Baptist to baptize Jesus. So cool. And there's a reason I shared that with you. In fact, it's all going to make sense in a moment. But I want to read you two stories. The first, Genesis chapter 8. Many of you know this happens at the end of Noah and the ark. Even if you're not a church person, you've probably heard of the story of Noah and the ark. Maybe you've seen the movie with, with Russell Crowe. And the tree's coming out and helping him build it. I don't think it happened like that. That was interesting. But God tells Noah, hey, build an ark. Build an ark, gather animals, two of, you know, a pair of every kind. Take your family, put them on, put them on the ark. And they, all in all, they were on this ark for about a year, almost a year. And the Bible tells us in verse 6 that after another 40 days, Noah opened the window that he had made in the boat and released a raven. And so the bird flew back and forth until the floodwaters on the earth had dried up. He also released a dove to see if the water had receded and it could find dry ground. Because obviously if, if he sends out these birds and they don't come back, well, they found a place to live. But the dove couldn't find a place to land because the water had still covered the earth. So it returned to the boat and Noah held out his hand and drew the dove back Inside, So he does it again. After waiting another seven days, he releases the dove once again. All right, let's try again. Let's see if it works this time. This time the dove returned to him in the evening with a fresh olive leaf in its beak, meaning that it found, it found something. It found a little room, right? But it didn't stay away. Then Noah knew that the floodwaters were almost gone. He waited another seven days, then released the dove again, this time it didn't come back. Now jump to Matthew chapter 3. 
then come back because it couldn't find a place to live or because it found a place to live. After the baptism, as Jesus came up out of the water, the heavens were opened and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and settling on him. And a voice from heaven said, this is my dearly loved son who brings me great joy. Two different dove stories. In both stories, doves were sent out. In one story, the dove was sent out but returned. It was released but returned because it couldn't find a place to land. In the other story, the dove was sent out and it stayed, found a place to live. And the Bible tells us that everything Jesus did from that moment was through the power that came on him right like that day. So Colby, what does this have to do with us? It has everything to do with us, everything. The dove in scriptures is symbolic of the Holy Spirit. And Noah, desperate for this dove not to come back because he was hoping the waters had gone down enough where the dove stayed, you know, found a place to live, but it came back again and again. But Jesus, in that moment, here's what God tells us, that I'm gonna send you the Spirit. You need to be filled. You need to just ask for it. The Spirit's there. He's available to you. Jesus tells us that before he goes to heaven, he says, I'm gonna ask God to send you another, a helper, a guide. And then on the day of Pentecost, remember what what happens? Peter stands up and says, this is it. Like, it's happened. The Spirit is here. And everyone who believes would be poured out onto and, and filled up and empowered by God's Spirit. And I thought about this. And I thought about Could it be that the Father continues to send out the dove? Continues to send out the Spirit, but it just keeps coming back because it can't find any place to land. Keeps sending out the dove. And maybe, maybe he comes back one time with a small olive leaf. They gave me a little place to land. They gave me a little place in their life to land, but not like I'd hoped like I wanted to. So different in the case of Jesus, right? And here's why. Because Jesus had emerged from the water and the dove had a place to land. But in Noah's case, the earth stayed submerged. No place to land. I think it could be that God's been, the Bible tells us he, he's, he's searching to and fro looking for anyone whose hearts are upright towards him. Those, those who, would, who would be crack resistant, those who would give him capacity to fill them up, those who would sweat the small stuff in their lives to try and become more and more like Jesus, doing the best they can to avoid temptations, doing their best they can to be holy and follow after him, that he's searching for them, wanting to send them the Spirit looking for someone to land on. Is it you? Is it you? Is it you? Because here's what you need to know. It's not great ability that God fills. It's availability that God fills. Anyone who's willing to come upright and stand up and say, here I am, God. 
want you to land on my life. I want you to fill me. I want you to empower me and strengthen me. And then you know what? We just believe he has. We just believe that his word is, is true. And when he says he will, we receive that in faith. And then we go. We don't second guess it. We just go. Believing that that's what God has done. So I'm going to ask us right now to create some room. To bow our heads in this moment. Not worried about where I'm going to go. The invitation is going to be a little different today. There are those of you in this room that you have said yes to following Jesus. You would say, I'm saved, but you've never asked the Spirit to fill you, to come upon you, to rest on you, to strengthen you, to empower you for one reason or another. It really doesn't matter. It's, it's here nor there. But today, maybe as an act of just symbolically saying, here I am, God land on me, and you would be willing to right now stand to your feet. If that's you, just stand to your feet. Here I am. I've said yes to Jesus, but I've never asked you to fill me. Today, God, I want you to land on my life. I'm gonna give you room. I'm gonna give you capacity. I want you to fill me. Awesome, awesome. Just keep standing. If that's you, just stand up wherever you are. Like now's your moment. Now there are those of you in this room today too, you've been saved. You've been set free as well. You've been filled with the Holy Spirit, but you know you're leaking. You know it's a capacity issue. There are, are things keeping you from, from continually being filled. It's this daily thing. You got cracks in your container. If that's you, you'd say, I'm gonna stand to my feet right now too. Come on, if you have been filled, but you're leaking, stand up wherever you are. Awesome, awesome. Let's just give the spirit room to land. You got nothing to lose, you got everything to gain. God, I pray right now that those that are standing are emerged from the water, asking your spirit to fall afresh on us today, asking you to fill us, asking you to strengthen us, asking you to empower us, God. We need a fresh filling for this moment. And we just believe in faith that when we ask that you're a good father and that you'll give us these gifts. And we receive in faith and then we go and we just believe you've done it. And we were not gonna wait to feel different. We're just gonna go. These are motion activated and we're just gonna go. And as you lead us into conversations, as you, you guide us, we're just gonna step out. We're gonna be bold. You've given us power to be your witnesses. You have equipped us. You've given us gifts to live a godly life. And we receive that in Jesus' name. We are always encouraged to know that God is using Elevate to bless people's lives. If you have a story about how God is working in your life, share your story online at elevatechurch.com.